Welcome to episode number 46 of the Lions podcast. Matt Brown, Brett Colson coming to you, bringing you all of the sports betting news that has gone on over the past week here. Also, a great interview with number fires Jim Sonis talking everything from March Madness to Major League Baseball to the Masters. We got the whole gamut with him, Brett, and we uh, were able to get some insight into what he looks at when it comes to Major League Baseball research, and we also got a little, a couple of little nuggets towards the Masters here. That guy knows a lot about a lot of things, including NASCAR, which is fascinating to me. Like, how do you how do you cover all these sports and also you're also following the NASCAR race on Sunday? Jim is Jim is an, he's an awesome interview. Uh, a lot of insight there from him. Did you just call NASCAR a sport? Did I? Did you just call NASCAR a sport? We're gonna we're gonna have to edit that out. In front of in front of our Lord here, 2019, you just called you just called NASCAR a sport. I think I think Jim would say that NASCAR is a sport. I think NASCAR I is an activity. You. I would have to. Yeah, I'm with you. An activity. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm also a guy that doesn't think golf is necessarily considered should be considered a sport at all. time. I think golf is kind of a game. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think you really have to be athletic to be a good golfer. And I think we've seen proof of that over the course of the years. I mean, certainly when Tiger came along, he really transformed how everything goes. I mean, he was the first guy to really, really get on this huge workout regimen and different things like that. And so you see all these younger guys that are, you know, doing all the, the training and whatnot. But I mean, you know, we, we, we still see, we still see fat guys win. So is baseball sport? There's some fat guys in baseball too. Uh, I think, I mean, baseball is definitely a sport, but I, because I mean, everything you do basically requires athletic ability, right? I mean, like some sort of athletic ability. I think when you get to the DH guy, like whenever it was, once you start to get to like a Nelson Cruz who, is not fast and can't play the field at all anymore and if it wasn't such thing as a dh he would not have a job basically in in baseball you know it starts to blur the line a little bit yeah yeah starts to blur the line just a lot but even everybody else is is certainly athletes here if you want to follow us on the twitter machine at the lines us at PlayPicks us as well you can get all of the industry news at the lines you get all of the picks and things like that at playpicks.com All right, let's talk a little March Madness here, Brett. I mean, if you guys made a bracket, and I know you did, because if you're listening to this, there's zero chance you dodge not filling out at least one bracket. I have five. How many did you end up with? One. I I just rolled the same bracket out on like 20 different contests. All in on the one. And yeah. it has not gone well. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I have five different versions, but they're all pretty much the same. It was just every now and then there was kind of like an eight, nine that I flipped between. There was, uh, you know, like some of those closer matchups, 10 sevens that I flipped between. But the, for the majority, everything, I certainly kept the same final four in all of them. I have two brackets where I have 15 of 16 sweet 16 teams. How do you like that? Okay, that's pretty good, and that's not surprising because you said that you were going to go full chalk, yes. including Duke as the as the champion. I did, I did. I went chalk city, and uh, the other I have two others where I have fourteen, and then I did go one that I went a little off the rails, and that one is completely dead. So I have four that are live, and one that is that is definitely not live. <laughs> I'm like, there's I'm in a pool of like eighty seven people, and I'm eighty third or something like that. So it was it was the Brett Colson uh, bracket, is what it was. 
Yeah, that's about where I am in my brackets. Yeah, <laughs> the, I, bottom, I, the bottom five percent. The thing was, is the shame and guilt that you put over me whenever you said that I'm a chalk donkey. That I had to, I had to do it. I had to. I was like, you know what? I'll fill out one of these in Colson style, and and look where it got me, Brett. Look where it got. Well, come me. on, this never happens. We got all four <laughs> number ones, all four number twos, all four number threes advancing the Sweet Sixteen. What? happened what's going on here yeah and i mean you know they went obviously 16 and 0 straight up 11 and 5 against the spread uh, during the second weekend and also brett this is officially i mean this is this is not just us saying this. this is actually officially the chalkiest bracket of all time it actually does tie one other bracket but the average seed is 3.06 which is tied for the chalkiest bracket of all time typically over the years the Average seed number is right at four and a half here. So you can see that it is just a, a massive, massive difference in how chalky this one is. Yeah, not the year to, uh, to 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 pick some of the upsets here. I do still have my final four intact, but everything outside of that is a complete disaster. A little off topic, but how do you prefer your bracket scoring? Because I'm in one of these where you get like a massive amount of bonus points for, for picking an upset. And so there are guys who have far, far fewer actual correct picks than me who are still ahead of me in one of these brackets just because they picked a couple of these first round upsets and I kind of I don't know if you should be rewarded for not being nearly as accurate as somebody else but just because you kind of you know got one of the coin tosses right I'm all for different formats I think you know if you want to have an upset bonus that's fine but I would prefer not to play that for that format yeah I like to I like to reward Pure hard skill there, Brett, because obviously I put in tons and hours of research before I did all these brackets. I'll tell you someone who probably didn't as well, but uh, they are reaping the benefits is a person that still has the perfect bracket out there. You can go to the lines dot com right now. We got some we did some maths. Well, you and I didn't do maths like we we were not doing the maths. No, the uh, big thanks to uh, Eric Ramsey and Matt Kaufman for for uh, doing the maths for us on this. Because yes, yes, yeah. There is still one perfect bracket out there, and um, if if you watched Good Morning America on Tuesday morning, you would have seen the feature on the guy who owns the only perfect bracket left out there out of tens of millions that were submitted online. And because it's Good Morning America, they provided the odds of this happening at one in 281 trillion. Uh, those are not remotely close to the true odds <laughs> because not not every game in the NCAA tournament is a coin flip. So what we did was calculate the estimated odds of picking the perfect bracket through the first two rounds using money line odds at DraftKings Sportsbooks. And even going further, we removed the VIG on the money lines at the sportsbook and came up with a number of one in 817 million of picking the perfect bracket through two rounds. Still, I mean, given the sheer number of brackets out there, this is incredibly impressive, even with all the chalk coming through. But um, yeah, there's still one perfect bracket live through the second round. And the weirdest thing here is, I mean, I don't know how it played out because I didn't see how the rest of his bracket goes. But I mean, with there being so much chalk, it is it is once we've gotten to this point, it is not out of the realm of possibility if things continued to hit chalky for him to actually have the first perfect bracket in the history of mankind. Sure. That would be super impressive. Now we're getting now it gets really tough because you've got all these great. It's even more difficult now that there is all this chalk because the spreads on these games are, are even smaller than they might be if you had a couple upsets sneak in there. But yeah, if he if he finishes perfect, it would be incredibly impressive to this point. 
as we figured, March Madness is, and, and with the spreading of legalized sports betting, people were wondering how this was going to affect Las Vegas. And what we are seeing, we saw it with the Super Bowl, and I think what we're seeing here with March Madness is the answer is not really. I think at the end of the day, what we're seeing here is that as sports betting continues to expand across the United States, what we'll see is, is for the big events, people still want to come to Vegas because unless you're, I mean, you could go to Atlantic City. There is still Atlantic City where you can kind of walk, you know, back and forth between different casinos and stuff like that. But there really isn't a place other than Vegas that offers what Vegas offers when it comes to these big sporting events. And so our friend David Purdom put out the betting handle at most of the Las Vegas sports books on the first weekend of the tournament was up. And he said up nearly 20% year over year over the first four days of the tournament. That's according to the super book over there at the Westgate. And then uh, the South point reported that they were up 15% over the first four days of the tournament here. And Brett, this is one of the things where I think people out there, who thought doom and gloom whenever it came to sports betting for Las Vegas and Nevada, just in general, the, the experience that you get when you come here, being able to bebop back and forth between the Aria and Bellagio and Mandalay Bay and MGM and, you know, Caesars and basically all these, you know, the wind Venetian, all these crazy properties with these massive sports books and ridiculous restaurants and all these things like that. the, I think the big events, Vegas will always be king. Yeah, I think you're right. And people plan around this every single year. And it's it, like you said, it's an experience. You don't get anything like this anywhere else. I know uh, some of the casinos in Pennsylvania were trying a Vegas-like uh, March Madness experience for the first time this year. I'd like to see uh, how that all played out. But yeah, Vegas is, is one of a kind, especially around these big betting events. And really not surprising at all to see that it was up 20%. 15%. I mean, it's it continues to grow every year. I mean, I think all it's doing, it's it's creating interest, interest in betting with new bettors. And right. then what what's the mecca of sports betting? It's Las Vegas. So, I mean, if anything, it's if anything, you might see these numbers continue to tick up because as these states open up and you create more sports bettors, then, you know, it's a bucket list type thing to come to Vegas for the Super Bowl or come to Vegas for March Madness or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you see these numbers tick up for the next five, ten years. I'm curious to see as as some of these casinos open sports books in some of these bigger states, if there is a small drop the first year in Vegas just so people can experience it in their home state for the first time. And then it bounces back to Vegas. I think that that could happen, but Vegas is never going away as the hub of these big betting events. That's never going to happen. Yeah. So one of the things that happened over at BetStars, we like to track some of these things. They send us this information and passing it along to you is fun for us. Florida State in the first round going up against Vermont. And if you remember, there was a struggle there a little bit, Brett, for Florida State in that game. Uh, 99.07% of the money line money was on Florida State in that BetStar over at BetStars. I imagine there were some people at BetStars who were jumping up and down there for a little while whenever Vermont <laughs> was hanging with, with Florida State. No love for the catamounts. Yeah. And it's, it's 99.07%. So that means there was there was some money coming in on that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. 0.7%. So, yeah, there was definitely some money coming in. It wasn't just like three bets. No, it was definitely not that at all. Of course, Duke getting tons of bets. They, you know, when they faced off against UCF, Duke eighty-one percent 
of the money line and spread money. So over 80% at FanDuel was on Duke. And of course, everybody remembers how that thing finished. And uh, yeah, I'm sure at FanDuel, they were wishing that tip would have gone in, Brad. Yeah, Duke did not do them any favors. That was, <laughs> oh man. Would have or been, me any favors with my, with my bracket. But. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a nice little win for them. Points bet did their typical deal. So anyone that bet UCF got that refund again. And so, yeah, I mean, this is something we keep seeing over and over again. Now we've seen some of the other books come out and do it as well. We've seen DraftKings do it. Now we've seen Vandal do it. Of course, BetStars follow suit as well. So it seems like a New Jersey book thing here is this kind of like bad beat karma refund type thing, stuff like that. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys on Twitter hating on it and whatnot. I mean, at this point, if this is just going to be a regular thing that they do, whatever, just let it. Yes, we all know they obviously didn't have a lot of handle. Everyone, The first thing everyone wants to point out is, well, there was obviously not a lot of money on the other side. Well, yeah, obviously there wasn't a lot of money on the other side because there was a ton of money on the other side, then certainly they would not do stuff like this. But, you know, I think one of the things we've seen too, Brett, that we might start seeing here is even when there is money on the other side, you don't actually get a refund. You basically just get like some sort of credit. I think I saw one game that went down where it wasn't like you get a refund on your bet, but they were going to give you like a $25 credit. And if they just do these little fun things, whatever, you know, whatever, more power to them. I guess I'm kind of over it. I get it. My, my, my concern is that like, when does this end? Like people are going to be, are people going to be expecting these as the casual better who has gotten these refunds in the past going to be expecting this forever? Because right now we're, we're just, we're trying to educate the the sports betting community in the u.s about what sports betting is going to be and i don't think we're gonna we're not gonna see this forever right no i mean again like i think i think it might shift towards what i was more talking about where it's like oh you had a bad beat here's a free ten dollar bet or something you know what i'm saying Like, like something like that where i don't think you're gonna get refunds refunds i think it might be okay let's create a little goodwill we might get some press out of it we'll get a headline so Everybody gets a free and free ten dollar bet on the next, you know, on the next game that they want to bet on. Something get, like that. I, yeah, I get why they're doing it. It's free marketing. I mean, it's it it really is. It's good marketing for them. So I understand why they're doing it. I just I, I'm I'm worried about what precedent this sets long term. If That's you all. are listening to this, you are probably interested in what's going on in the NCAA tournament. So head over to the lines. Head over to play picks there are articles up on the sweet 16 looking at odds looking at picks looking at things like that some commentary from matt peralt as well with a couple of picks he'll have uh thursday picks as well as friday picks in some videos as well so be sure and take a look at those as we talked about at the top of the show we were able to catch up with jim sonis from number fire talked a ton of different things when it comes to not only fantasy but sports betting as well so let's hear what uh, jim had to say Now joining us on the podcast, Jim Saunas. He's a senior writer and analyst for Number Fire 2018, Fantasy Sports Writer Association Football Writer of the Year, and pretty much a jack of all trades covering everything you would think of, baseball, basketball, golf, March Madness, whatever it might be. Jim, thanks for joining us here, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And it's uh, it's definitely fun to be busy all times of year, I guess, is the way I'd put it. Yeah, I mean, it is a very, very busy time of the year for all of us here in sports. We have so many different things colliding. What is your main focus right now at Number Fire? 
Right now it's baseball because we have baseball coming up. Opening day is on Thursday. So first DFS podcast of the year is tomorrow, actually, or Wednesday, I guess, when this is being posted. So uh, DFS baseball is the main focus, but also got the Masters coming up. I'm into NASCAR, too. So a lot of stuff overlapping this time of year, which definitely makes it fun for sure. So let's start with baseball since we're, we're so close to the start of the season. What yeah. what does your offseason season? Major League Baseball research consists of when do you really start digging into baseball? Uh, it, the problem with doing football is that it kind of pushes back when I can start my research. So I think once the regular season is done for football, I can kind of dive in. And basically what I do is just try to like research each player uh, because when I'm building my rankings, I don't want to my season long rankings. I don't want to do them without knowing what happened for a guy that year, how he changed stuff like that. So basically once we get to the playoffs for football, then I kind of go through each guy who may be fantasy relevant that year and try to decide, okay, what do I think of this guy going into 2019? What are some things I want to watch for in spring training? And then once we get to spring, just checking box scores, seeing which guys may be striking out too much, uh, guys who are getting strikeouts as pitchers, and trying to focus on just the key stats, you know, strikeout rate, walk rate, that can be a little bit sticky based on spring stats. What is your what's your process look like? If, if I'm if I'm looking for some if I'm a better and I'm looking for some values on futures bets in like February and early March, where should I be looking for this stuff on analytics and metrics and, and the type of stuff you're looking for? Yeah, it really is strikeout rate. I mean, if you're looking at it's at, you know, spring stats, I think for pitchers, you can glean quite a bit by looking at spring stats because strikeout rates stabilize really quickly. And so when you look at pitchers in spring training, like if you want to place a Cy Young bet, I would look at their strikeout rates. If there is a guy who is not getting a lot of strikeouts in the spring, he's probably not going to be the best bet to nail a Cy Young award. But you look at this year, I mean, like Justin Verlander has just gone nuts this spring and he went nuts at the end of last year too. He started using his curveball a bit more. So that has my attention, I think is the way I would say it. You know, if you see a guy popping up in the spring with a lot of strikeouts, I would dig in deeper than that. As far as a team wide goes, look at injuries. The uh, Cleveland, you know, they have pretty short odds. I think they're plus 1100 to win the World Series, but Francisco Lindor already banged up. Jose Ramirez is banged up and they're a pretty thin roster. So injuries are a big key for me as from a team wide perspective when it comes to the spring. So looking at some of these teams here that everybody's obviously high on, we got the Yankees and Red Sox and Astros and Dodgers and Phillies, of course, and everyone's, you know, all over those teams. Are there any teams that are kind of sitting out there that maybe you're higher on than everybody else that's kind of maybe lying in the weeds out there, if you will? I like the Brewers a lot. And the, the problem with this is, I was higher on them before all these spring training injuries propped up. You know, you got Corey Knables banged up. Jeremy Jeffers is banged up. And that stinks because the reason I like them a lot, they're plus 1800 to win the World Series. I like them because their bullpen is so good. And that is such a key during the postseason. And now with Knables injury, it's not a lock that he'll even be around for the postseason. So I think that they took a hit, but they're plus 1800. And I think that. Even without them, Josh Hader is a type of pitcher, the type of individual player who can take over a postseason. That offense is crazy good. It's deep, too. Uh, behind just Christian Yelich, you got, you know, Travis Shaw, Mike Moustakis. I love both those guys to be huge this year. So I kind of think the Brewers at plus 1,800 are fun. I also don't mind the Rockies at plus 2,800 to win the World Series because it's weird to talk about the Rockies about this, but their pitching is good. 
I just need their offense to not suck. And that's kind of the concern that I have about them and why I'm not jumping out of my way to get them. But, you know, for plus twenty eight hundred dollars, if they can get, you know, Bumpy and Desmond out the paint, uh, you know, get some of their young guys in there. I think that they have good upside. So the Rockies at plus twenty eight hundred and uh, the Brewers at plus eighteen hundred are probably the two I would focus on most outside of that top group by by far the longest odds are the Orioles how many games are they going to lose this year (laughs) how many how many games are the Orioles going to lose this year I think if we're setting an over under like 105 and a half is that unreasonable (laughs) I know I mean I I mean the the 100 total is I think it's definitely within reach and I would love to see them get to 105 yeah I would love to see I, I would not be shocked for a second if that happened so you mentioned the Brewers and their bullpen. I want to get your thoughts on the Yankees because this is yeah. the most ridiculous like crop of relievers maybe I've ever seen. Uh, I think this is their year. I mean, right now they are favored to win the World Series at FanDuel 6-1. to one. The Red Sox are sitting at 13-2 to two right behind them. Who you got? Yankees or Red Sox in the AL East? I like the Yankees and it's for the reasons you mentioned, you know, that that bullpen is stupid and they just keep bringing in guys like Adam Ottavino is like he kind of has like this Bugs Bunny pitch, which is like finally going to get national prominence this year. And I'm super excited about that. So you add him to this bullpen that was already good. And like we talk about the Yankees bullpen so much that we disregard the fact that they added James freaking Paxton who, yeah, there's some injury risk there, but like, he's also really good, which just bolsters that rotation. And I think that, you know, Masahiro Tanaka last year with his splitter uh, usage going up, he was really good. So my pick straight up to win the world series this year is the Yankees. My concern about them at six to one is that that division is brutal. Like Red Sox are good. Tampa Bay is good. Tampa Bay is 10th in number fires, power rankings entering this year. So like, I think that that's why I might have a hard time pulling the trigger at six to one, but if I were picking straight up, it would be Yankees. And I think that I, if I had to pick one at their current odds, I would go Yankees, even though the Red Sox do have longer odds. On the bright side, they do have the Orioles in that division. So that's right. That does 20, help. 20 that does help. Yep. 19 free games, basically. <laughs> so from the AL East over the NL East, let's talk about Bryce Harper and my Phillies. Uh, Harper signs and the money starts piling in yeah. on the Phillies to win the World Series. How much impact does a guy like Harper actually have on a team's chances to win at all. Well, I think that it's going to be pretty big because if you think about it this way, you're putting Bryce Harper into a lineup that I don't know, would have been Nick Williams playing potentially, if not for Bryce Harper. I think the roster resource had him as a starter before that. And that's like, you know, that can be as much as a seven win difference because Bryce has so much upside. That's what I want. You know, I want I want upside from a team perspective if I'm betting on World Series futures. And I think that the Phillies, when you add Bryce Harper into the mix, have that Gene Segura. Very good. Andrew McCutcheon. Very good. Reese Hoskins, also another guy who can have difference making potential on top of some really interesting guys in the rotation. Just, be, you know, beyond Aaron Nick Pavetta has looked awesome at times this spring, too. So I think that the movement on them, while obviously it's going to be it's always going to be a little bit overzealous. I think it's still justified to an extent to see them move the way they have. And the bullpen's really good, too. I'm re- All right. You got me excited. I'm excited. Yeah. 
I think I think your excitement is justified, and I, I I'm a Phillies fan, like a bandwagon Philly fans Phillies fan now, just because Bryce is there too. Yeah, I I did a regular season draft last night and basically treated it like a DFS lineup and just stacked right. Phillies. Like I I drafted like four Phillies. I'm not even kidding. Like it was just every time it came to me and it just felt like the right yep. pick. And I'm like, hey, on nights where they go nuts, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have good weeks. You know, so uh, I've got I've got Bryce and Reese on the same team, so I'm really hoping for that same thing this year too. So you know, you're a fantasy guy, so obviously you're doing the research and you're making projections and and Number Fire does projections and things like that. So let's talk about how this can apply to some sports betting here and looking at like regular season home run totals you've got Giancarlo Stanton who's you know the the big big favorite here at, at plus 600 but if you know some of these other guys Aaron Judge plus 900 JD Martinez 1100 Davis 1100 uh, Mike Trout at 1100 Arenado playing there in Coors at 1600 do any of these guys outside of just the favorite kind of get your blood boiling so I, I I guess my thing with like with props like this is that I don't want to go with super short odds because there's so many things that can happen during the year to mess that up. Uh, so I just kind of want to go for long balls. And part of my process when going with like a home run total is I want guys who are going to be on the field every day. And part of that is defense, which is why Nolan Arenado is going to be so short. But a guy at 70 to one who's going to play every day and has a lot of power is Matt Chapman. And I think that like, he's really intriguing because Matt Chapman, you know, he has his warts as a hitter, but you know, you're going to get power. He had off season surgeries. He had two of them actually. And I was concerned about that, but over in Japan, he popped a dinger there. I think he had a double too. So looked really good there. 24 home runs for Matt Chapman last year, but he was playing through injuries. He had a 43% hard hit rate. Uh, his fly ball rate was 40 or it was 39%. So the dude's going to hit some home runs. The park is not good, but he's going to play every day. So Matt Chapman's interesting. Chris Bryant is uh, 70 to one, two. He had injuries last year. And if you look at him before the injuries racked up, his strikeout rate was actually down two percentage points from where it was a year before. So I expect a big bounce back from Chris Bryant. So they're both 70 to one. Nelson Cruz is, I think, 30 to one uh, for there. And I think that uh, with him being the DH, getting a park factor upgrade, going to Minnesota in the hot and humid weather during the, the summer, I think Chapman, Bryant and Cruz would be the guys I would like most there. And then from a pitcher aspect, obviously you're you're going to circle around the better teams here when we're talking yeah. about most wins. So it doesn't surprise when you see that the shortest odds are Chris Sale and Max Scherzer and, and Corey Kluber and things like that. So again, we know for sure pitcher is a position that guys get hurt all the time. And is right. if you're if you're missing a month of action, you're missing several starts. And that could certainly eat into a most wins prop. So do you kind of take the same uh, yeah. look at, at, at that from a pitcher standpoint? Definitely has to be. And I think that you, you just have to because like I, I think that if you're talking about like betting over unders, you're going to bet the under most of the time because guys can get hurt and that ruins everything. But like, so I think that that's why I want to go longer. I think if you want to go for someone here who is not as long, Garrett Cole uh, is at 30 or 30 to one. And he's on a great team. Got the Astros there. Carlos Correa is healthy again. George Springer healthy, it sounds like. Last year, Garrett Cole had a 2.91 skill interactive ERA with a 35% strikeout rate. And when you do that, you're going to put yourself in the position to get a lot of wins. So Cole has pretty long odds. So I like him. I mentioned Masahiro Tanaka's splitter before. Being a pitch that he started to lean on, he had a disabled list stint uh, in June and July. After he came back, leaned on that pitch more, pitched really well after that. He is 55 to 1. So I like Tanaka. 
And then if we want to go super long, Herman Marquez of the Rockies, he changed the way he was throwing his curveball in June. And he he like he increased his his average velocity on it like three miles per hour. And he was one of the best pitchers in baseball the rest of the way. He pitches for a good team. You don't have to worry about the park when you're talking about wins because the you know the Rockies get to benefit from that in the same game as well. So 80 to 1 for Herman Marquez, I think is uh, a number I'd be very intrigued by. Yeah, I like that. If you like the Rockies, you got to correlate it with their mm-hmm. with their top pitcher, right? Absolutely. And he is their top pitcher by a pretty wide margin, I would say. And and of course, the Bryce Harper news, there's going to be Bryce Harper props season total for home runs. <laughs> 33 and a half. You're actually getting plus money if you take the under. Go ahead and break Brett's heart and say the under here. Yeah, I mean, the question for Bryce will be, is he healthy? And he plays so hard that that's always going to be a concern for him. And so I think that that's why, like, the logical part of me wants to go under. And I mentioned I, I tend to, you know, go under on these things because he has had health risks in the past. But if you give me a guarantee of 145 games to Bryce, he would probably smash the over on that because, you know, you look at him, he gets a big park factor upgrade going to Philadelphia from Washington. Last year, he had a 42% hard hit rate and a 38% fly ball rate. He had 34 home runs that year while playing in a lesser park. He had 42 home runs in 2015 when he played 150 games. So if you can just guarantee me health, I would take over like 35 for Bryce in this new park. It's just a kind of concern about will he be healthy? Uh, I think if you look at the major projection systems, they all project him to go over. Number fire has him at 35 home runs. So if you guarantee health, he's going to go over. It's just so hard to guarantee health for someone who has had an injury history in the past. I don't I don't care about that for season long. Like I'm going to draft Bryce no matter where no matter where I'm talking. But for a betting thing, it is going to at least scare me a little bit. You hear that, Brett? That's an under. That's an under right there. That's an undertake, <laughs> my friend. Like I get it. it. Like the logical thinker, like like Jim said, the logical thinker in me says under because everybody's piling the over. But I've I've spent so much time in that park. I've seen how the wind blows out right. in that stadium, and it's like it's a huge upgrade for him. Yeah, Man. yeah. The plus money is intriguing, though. It is the on the on the under there. That's for sure. Even money for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, not to jump around here too much, Jim. And I understand that you said <laughs> you have been you've been digging into baseball, and I understand how that can be certainly time consuming because man, there are so many things to dig into. But we do have the Masters coming up, and yeah. we cover all things betting here on this podcast, and so. You know, I'm sure you've been paying attention to golf here. I mean, there's been some great, great finishes here already early in this season. Who are you kind of starting to look at there at the Masters? Yeah, I think for me, what I want to find is guys who have distance uh, because Augusta does require some distance. And then the second thing that I want is guys who are good in their approach shots. Because if you look back at, at, you know, past events there, guys who do well are always going to pop up in those two stats, usually driving distance and usually stroke gain approach. So to me, I'm trying to find guys with longer odds who pop in both arenas. And Patrick Cantlay is 65 to one right now in FanDuel Sportsbook. If you look at the past 50 rounds, uh, Fantasy National has these stats. Over the past 50 rounds of golfers in the field for the Masters, Cantlay is 10th in distance and 8th in stroke gain approach. That's those are really good numbers for a guy who is 65 to one to win. So I like him from that perspective. I also think this is not quite as much of a numbers thing. It's just more so I like the guy, Tony Finau last year. You remember he had the his ankle like exploded 
like a day before the yeah, event. Yeah, when he was he when he was doing 10th. the par three competition. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And he still finished tenth. Yeah. yeah, he was like, it wasn't he first round leader. Yeah, we didn't talk about that because <laughs> oh, we were like, oh, yeah. this guy blew blew his ankle to pieces. He's, he's going to withdraw, and then he's, he finishes tenth. So like, Tony Finau's forty six to one. I'm really tempted by that. Like, we know he can go long. His approach game hasn't been as good recently, but, like, he still had a 22nd place finish a couple weeks ago. So, like, I, I like Tony Finau. If you made me pick someone with shorter odds, I'd go Justin Thomas at 17. But uh, Tony Finau and Patrick Cantley, two guys I like who have odds that are 40 to 1 or longer. Brett and I talked about this on the podcast before the players where we were just saying that you know when we bet golf it's just more fun to bet the longer odds it's just it's more you get the big you get the better sweat you're getting the four days and if your guy just happens to be in contention come Sunday and you're holding that like I was you know a a couple of weeks ago holding a a 30 to 1 ticket coming into a Sunday where I actually had a shot with with John Rahm he he blew up of course you know shot the 76 but still where'd you get Rahm at 30 wow that's awesome yeah and uh so it was it was pretty great and so, yeah, I mean, we, we love betting kind of the longer odds on golf yeah. as well. I mean, I, I can understand if you're grinding golf for, you know, for, for a profit and things like that. It doesn't pay off very often. But for me, when I'm kind of casually betting golf, better to have that big sweat. If you want to go big, Keegan Bradley's 160. So there you go. We'll go, we'll oh go real boy. big there. He's fifth in approach. I know he he ruined all my DFS <laughs> lineups last week. He like. Uh, he had this blow up right at the end of the round and missed a cut, but he's fifth in approach the past 50 rounds. So at 160, you know, I've I've spent worse money in my life. I think Keegan blow, blow up was on guarantee during. Oh, yeah. No, point, at some point during a tournament, he had made like 19 straight cuts at some point, And so you knew it was going to happen. And <laughs> just, I just kind of was waiting for it. And I got out of the way. It's like we're good now. I, I hope like that's got to be the one. Right. You talked about distance off the tee at Augusta. What's but what's the one thing about the Masters and Augusta National in particular that betters need to know before placing a bet there? I really do think it is the distance does play really well here. You go back to to you know past events. What I do is I look at golfers who finish well and where they rank for the full season on the PGA Tour in different stats. Last year, the average ranking and driving distance for the guys who were in the top sixteen or top fifteen was fifty third. And the average ranking for accuracy is 107th. So like accuracy doesn't really matter as much. You know, you don't need to be a great putter to do well at Augusta either for, for a single event. So I'm not going out of my way to, you know, just target good putters. But I think if you can be good at distance and rank well in approach, I kind of think you can set yourself up really well, regardless of what you play is around the green and on the green. So to me, I think I would just focus on those two stats, mostly distance and approach. If you can nail down someone with those two, you know, those two metrics popping for them, you should be set up pretty well. All right, let's switch gears one more time to March Madness. I know you guys have a lot going on over at number fire uh, with all the lead up there and a lot of content going on during the tournament. Are you a college basketball? I mean, you have your hands in so many different things. Are you a college basketball guy all season long? Or do you start digging in before the tournament? No. So basically for me, I lean so heavily on like for a lot of sports, I try to form individualized opinions for college basketball. I lean really heavily on number fire and lean on their their algorithms and their projections because it's just it starts during football season. I can't pay attention then, but like, you know, leaning on number fires worked out pretty well so far. So I've, I've been very happy with that. Uh, but no, from a full season perspective, that is definitely not my, my strong suit for sure. 
uh, you probably caught the Duke game, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, what were your thoughts on Duke's escape there? I mean, they're still the favorite to win it all, plus, tw- plus 220 at FanDuel. But uh, some of the other number ones here, Virginia, UNC, Gonzaga, all within uh, striking distance, and, and the odds kind of closing in. Uh, how vulnerable is this Duke team from what you've seen? I, I don't really worry too much about the UCF game because, like, Taco played out of his mind there, and, like, that was a huge, huge benefit for them. I don't worry too much about that individual game. I worry what the other part of the bracket has done to Duke in that they have all the top four seeds still left in their region, whereas Virginia gets to face Oregon the next round. Like, that's a major advantage from an odds perspective to have an easier opponent in your next round. Like, you know, Duke does have 80% odds to win against Virginia Tech, but Virginia's odds to win in the in the Sweet 16 are 90% based on number of hours metrics. So, like, at Duke at, at plus 220 to me is too short. Their odds in number fire 17%. I think that's underselling the Zion effect a little bit. Like, if I were, you know, putting their odds somewhere, I'd be higher than 17%. But I couldn't bet them at plus 220. I think the UVA is kind of the team that stands out, both because their path is easier, but also because uh, number fires, you know, numbers do like them. And I think that their odds at plus 420 may be a little bit discounted because people scared off by the Gardner-Webb game, scared off by what happened last year. So uh, UVA and Gonzaga, probably the two I'd favor from a betting perspective. And I I really, it's really hard for me to get behind Duke at that number. When you filled out, your, when you filled hey, out your bracket, when you filled out your bracket, who was the last team you clicked? <laughs> who, what team is going was going to win it all in your bracket? I had UVA and I got real nervous in that first round. It was it was pretty tough for that first half. But, you know, once the sample got larger, they did do well. The reason I went Virginia was because I was hoping people would be scared off by what happened last year when, you know, the health for Virginia this year is better than it was entering the tournament last year. The offense is much better. The pace is still a pretty big issue. And that's what we saw with Gardner Webb. And that can lead to a lot of variance. But uh, I picked them. I'm kind of waffling. I kind of want to go to Gonzaga now, uh, but I would still stick with UVA if you force me to pick again. So still sticking with it, but not as confident as I was at the beginning. Brett gave me grief for being a chalk donkey and I might <laughs> being a chalk donkey paid off so well this year for all of these yeah. bracket contests. I'm, I'm live in basically every single bracket contest that I entered. Brett just turned his nose up at me whenever I told him <laughs> at some of these picks or whatever. I'm sure Brett, you, you probably only have like three final four, three sweet 16 teams left, right? I have look, my final four is still intact, but okay. that's I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Liar. All. You don't have to lie to our, our listeners. I, there's no way you have all four <laughs> final four teams. It's impossible. No, I do have all final, <laughs> all four final four. I've got five elite eight. Okay. The rest of my that's not that. That, that could be worse. Yeah. yeah, could 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 be worse. All right, Jim, tell us what's going on over at Number Fire and how people can uh, can find you on the Twitter machine and all the different social media stuff. Yeah, I'm at Jim Sonnes on Twitter, J-I-M-S-A-N-N-E-S there. And starting up tomorrow or at uh, Wednesday, like I said, with MLB DFS, we have a PGA DFS podcast every week. NASCAR podcast goes up every Wednesday for DFS. Uh, So a lot of stuff cooking over there and uh, definitely a fun time of year with all the sports overlapping. And I want to thank you guys for having me on to talk uh, all the things that are going on right now. Hey, listen, anytime we can have the 2018 Fantasy Sports Writer Association Football (laughs) Writer of the Year and Jack of All Trades on our podcast, we're going to do it i'll tell you that. yeah i mean it, it was fun i i really appreciate it that was uh that was definitely a shock but it's uh, a good time of year to be a sports fan for sure jim thanks for joining us man and we'll certainly have you on uh, through the course of the baseball season looking forward to it thank you very much
Brett Jim is uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say a pretty pretty smart guy. Uh, he's he's a little sharp, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty smart he, dude. He, he might he might know what he's talking about. Dug into uh, a lot of things there. I mean, you know, of course, working number fire, he has his finger on the pulse of just a myriad of different statistics and things like that. I mean, it is really cool the different tools and stuff that they have over there. What do you? When you're doing your research, are you more of a I do my own research guy? Do you start with kind of like looking at something like a, a an aggregator site and then you do your own re- and then you form your opinion? Like, how, how do you go about your whole research process? Because that was one of the things, obviously, that we talked to Jim about. Yeah, I usually start by digging into numbers and number fire is a great place for that. In fact, all of all of my NCAA tournament stuff was based on number fires numbers i didn't watch a single game all season long i just used their smart guys their tools to build my um to build my bracket which it turned out didn't didn't turn out very well for me but there's a lot of great stuff over there uh that you can use um but yeah i i use numbers really to to help me form uh where i'm gonna go on on certain things whether whether it's dfs or placing a bet um there are several smart guys like jim who i will read um, but I, I like to create my own opinion and not not let a lot of the noise disrupt where I want to go. Yeah, I mean, as we move into baseball season here, and we didn't really talk a ton about it with Jim, but you, know, you and I both play DFS baseball. I think, you know, a few little things we can just throw out here to anyone who wants to give it a whirl, I guess, for the first time here. I mean, it seems very... It seems very elementary when you say it out loud, but I mean, it is certainly something that that pays off, Brad. I mean, you know, first and foremost, just target bad pitchers and target bad pitchers with multiple hitters. And there is there is some success to be had just by using that strategy alone. I mean, it's not going to work every single time bad pitchers go out and still have good games or even good hitters get out, you know, seven out of ten times. But there's, you know, the very basis, I think, of if you want to try and, and try out DFS baseball, just for the it's the very easiest thing to do is look down, find a bad pitcher and, and get some offense against him. Yeah, that's a good place to start. And and looking at the hitters that are facing the bad pitcher and how they perform against whether he's a left hander or right hander and, and you know how, how they face off against certain types of pitchers. But uh, yeah, uh, targeting bad pitchers is certainly a good place to start if you're building a DFS lineup. And then from a pitching standpoint, what has been your basic kind of strategy for which pitchers you pick. I mean, obviously there are differences between whether you're playing at DraftKings or FanDuel or Yahoo or whatever it might be, but just let's go with just kind of like an overarching strategy here as to how you go about pitchers. Well, strikeouts are at a premium in DFS. I mean, you get a lot of points for strikeouts and like Jim talked about strikeout rate. I mean, that, that is a, a really good metric to look at uh, if you want to, to, to get a pitcher and you can find a lot of guys in DFS who, uh, particularly if they pitch in a bad park at home are, are going to be pitching on the road and are going to get a bump in value just by the park move by pitching in a better park and then uh, could result in in a lot of fantasy points and then going way over their projected points. So, um, yeah, certainly start with, with strikeout rate because that that's how you win, especially a big tournament. Uh, in DFS is is piling up strikeouts. One of the things we talked about is is hitters and multiple hitters against bad pitchers. That's called stacking. If you want to do that technique, it is tended to 
work out pretty well in baseball. And the theory behind it being is baseball is a game where everybody can lift everybody up. A guy walks, then the next guy gets a single, then the next guy hits a home run. You're scoring points with all three of those guys for every kind of step of the way there. So if you're looking at strategies, articles, and people are talking about, you know, stacks to play or what is a stack or something like that, that's what a stack is. It's, you know, maybe putting the two, three, four, five hitter of a team or the four, five, six, you know, sometimes you can take a contrarian stack, which Brett, I'm sure you do quite often where you'll stack like a middle to bottom or even kind of like a wraparound stack, right? Yeah, not only that, but I look for bad lineups to stack if they are facing a bad pitcher because they often go overlooked. And like you said, the players lift each other up and baseball is a very high variance game. Some teams is bad is even the Baltimore Orioles could have uh, a really nice game offensively this year. So I mean, not that I'm going to be looking at the Orioles a lot, but um, teams that aren't looked at as offensive juggernauts are often teams. I'm going to be trying to target against bad pitchers, especially in those big tournaments. Yeah. And then the last kind of thing to remember whenever you're stacking here is if you're you know if you're looking at two teams and you feel like you've weighted those two teams like definitely equally uh one of the strategies i use brett is if i if i'm literally kind of on the fence about a about a stack that i want to use i will always go with the stack that is on the road because you are guaranteed that ninth inning at bat which uh you don't get for the home team always because the home team might be ahead and of course you don't have to bat in the bottom of the ninth if you're ahead so as a tiebreaker i tend to lean towards road teams when stacking as well sure yeah i'm all for that and sometimes you can go with uh, you can use pitching uh, with that strategy as well sometimes pitchers will get uh, the extra inning if there's a complete game so there you go. Little, 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 little things to look just at. Just little things. And of course, uh, head to head over to play picks and there's uh, there'll be tons of picks, articles and strategy things for the upcoming baseball season, which kicks off here on Thursday. Brad, I mean, we talked about the World Series winners uh, a little bit with Jim. Who are you going to go ahead and take? I, I think you said you like the Yankees, but is that a bet you'd make at six <sighs> at, at six to one? I don't love the number, but yeah. just looking at this team uh, there, I just think they're the best team. On paper, I think right. I I don't understand the, the the short the number between the 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 Yankees and the, and the Red Sox is so close, and I don't understand. I think the Yankees are just so much better on paper. And I if I had to bet a team to win, it would be the Yankees. Uh, looking at numbers, I, I kind of like the Nationals just because of the Harper effect. I feel like they probably lose some punch with the public so i mean you might be getting a good number uh, on the nationals just because of the public perception nobody's going to be betting on them yeah i'm uh i'm i'm kind of in you know in the the same vein here one of these teams like i'm intrigued by the braves at 20 to 1 and if they can get solid pitching of course they're having a little bit of health concerns as well in that rotation but you have Acuna who gets to come and play a full, you know, a full season, his second full season there. You have Albies, then you have a Nick Marcakis who's kind of like not sexy, but just kind of a glue guy there, high on base guy, um, really good contact guy. Then you add a Donaldson. If Donaldson can stay healthy, apparently he's entering this season healthy here. I mean, you know, has not been healthy. I think people forget that just two years ago, I mean, it, we're, we'll relate this back to season-long fantasy, but like, you know, Josh Donaldson was going third, fourth, fifth overall in season-long drafts, and, you know, that's just two years ago. 
Yeah, the dude can hit. He can flat out hit. And if he if he's healthy, that's a guy who could certainly lift the Braves into a division title. It's so, a, I mean, it's a I sneaky good lineup. It's a sneaky it, good lineup. Yeah, there. it really is. And, and you know, with all this money coming in on the Phillies, uh, there might be just built-in value on some of these AL East teams, except or AL uh, NL East teams, yeah. except the Mets. Don't bet. Yeah, don't don't. Yeah, don't. We don't we don't want to do that. But yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Of course, a lot of health issues just to make sure that's with a lot of these teams. I mean, you know, if they can't stay healthy, then for sure there is going to be uh, trouble down the way here. All right, let's talk about some of these wins that come through here. These statistics we get, guys, and these emails and these things that come through are just sometimes make you want to just absolutely throw down. I mean, you you wonder who these people are. So like CG technology here in Vegas, a guy, Michigan was minus 1800 versus Montana in the first round. Brett, the guy bet $500,000 on that game on the, on Michigan in that game. I, I think it paid something like $37,000 or something or whatever. I mean, Winner. it's like, I mean, yeah, I won, but I mean, for half a million dollars, uh, I mean, I don't know on 18, 19, 20 year old kids. That is a, uh, that is the that ju- is some cojones as they say, right? The juice on these huge money line spreads. It's so big. Why, why are you going to risk that much? I, I've never understood that. Yeah. Why are you betting such a huge favorite when the juice is just so big? There was a another five hundred thousand dollar bet at CG <laughs> on the Texas Tech money line. They were minus fourteen hundred. That was a thirty five k payout for that one. I mean, of course, it paid. So I mean, I can't sit here and laugh. Another guy bet a hundred k on that same Texas Tech team at Caesars. Uh, that was only an eight thousand dollar win on that hundred thousand dollar bet. I mean. Uh, lots and lots on the on the line here guy at Caesars also bet this this is this is maybe my favorite bet that we'll ever report (laughs) on this podcast here a guy put a hundred and fifty dollar money line bet on Duke at minus fifteen thousand in that North Dakota State uh 16 versus one game it it won him a dollar right he he won a dollar one dollar slowly slowly but surely one, Just, one, one buck. 100, 150 to win a dollar i think that that's got to be you're sitting around with your buddies and you just want to say you did it right i get yeah it's a good story and, and we're talking about it so yeah that's true see so there it works if you're listening that guess what buddy it worked so there it is send us a send us a, a twitter message and we'll yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk to you about it uh cg had another guy eighty three thousand on a three-team parlay uh, 183k on a three-team parlay, bet $8,000 on the Ohio State money line, Virginia Tech first half and Virginia Tech first half over in that first round. That cashed 8K for 83000 there. Uh, William Hill took a you know a big bet on Duke and it's over Central Florida there, 50000 to win 545 oh, I know, wow. I know, I know, I know. 50000 to win 545 and you know that guy. Can you – I would have – I would have paid $545 to be standing next to that guy uh, watching him sweat this $50,000 bet. There's got to be video of that somewhere. Somebody had to be taking video of that, right? Yeah. If you are, again, well, let's speak to the public. If you are out there and have video of the guy that had the 50,000 on Duke and that tip did not go at the end, I need to see this video. So please, please let me see this video. Send it to us on the, on, on the Twitter machine. Let's see. We had DraftKings Sportsbook also had a guy that bet 
14 cents on a 14-leg parlay. Turn that 14 cents into $1,345. Good on you, brother. 14 cents into $1,400. That is, I'll take that right there, my friend. That's awesome. I wonder if that was like all in for, for his last four. Well, it has like, to be like because maybe, why would you pick 14 cents instead of like a dime or 15 cents? Like it, it, it was definitely his last 14 cents. Yeah, that yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way you go. I'm just going to do 14 cents instead of 15 cents. You know, I mean, like th- that was certainly his last 14 cents, which he turned into thirteen hundred forty five dollars, which hopefully he is not already pissed away let's just uh, let's just hope he has not done that if you guys are going to bet the sweet 16 of course head to the lines head to play picks we have the very best offers there are out there points bet still doing that making it rain promotion so of course any team you bet is and they hit a three-pointer they're going to bonus your account but also one of the more interesting things here brett is they've gone ahead and thrown the gauntlet down they're going to reduce juice on every spread and total bet for the sweet 16 down to minus 105 and that is each every side every total uh, bet for the entire sweet 16 so points bet is out there doing they're, they're kind of sticking their neck out but listen you're you're up against some of these behemoths here and i like the fact that they're that they're trying something to to to, to basically get their name out there you know do a little something different yeah i love it and i think maybe DraftKings saw that and responded i know J- DraftKings had some reduced uh reduced vig on saturday and sunday for their games so i wonder if that was had anything to do with what points bet was doing but yeah uh great to see you know, these, these guys are trying something different, uh, something that the other the other sites in New Jersey aren't doing. Love it. I'm sure you already have a DraftKings account. If you don't, go sign up for one at PlayPix or at The Lines. However, uh, even if you do, look, they're running a $16,000 bracket challenge for the Sweet 16. So go over there and take a look at that. And then BetStars has announced that they're going to do some sort of odds boost for every underdog in the Sweet 16. That might be, uh, Brett, we were talking about this off offline here before we got going. You think maybe that has a little bit to something to do with the favorites just crushing? You think maybe just a tad? Yeah. Just a yes. tad. Yeah. Come, come get, yeah. Come get some of this underdog money. Yeah, come, yeah. Come, come play these underdogs. So uh, be sure and, and take a look there because they will have some, uh, some odds boost going on for those underdog teams. And finally, NFL, of course, what else would we talk about here on March the 26th other than the NFL, right, Brad? I mean, like we haven't even had the draft yet and we're talking NFL. Say, hey, it's a 12-month sport, man. It never it never stops. They have done very well. And with the with the advent of gambling here, I mean, this is it really is now going to be a 12-month news cycle. We joked about it before, but I mean, if you're gonna have the books releasing the first game of the year odds on March the 26th, then yeah, this is going to be a 12-month news cycle. Get ready for it, folks, because it's just going to be the way the NFL is. They spaced it out to where the draft, free agency doesn't start until you know a good bit after the Super Bowl, and then the draft doesn't happen until a good bit after free agency. So it is, it is a 12-month news cycle, and here we have it. Packers at the Bears. Bears minus four at FanDuel, minus three and a half at DraftKings. Brett, I'm sure you've researched this and already have a strong opinion on this game. Yeah, it's uh, a little surprising, I think, given the the spectrum these two teams were on to close out the season. Uh, I thought the Bears might open at something like four and a half or five, but uh, Rodgers has historically owned the Bear, Bears head to head, including the, the season opener last year on Sunday Night Football. So, I mean, look, you got a new head coach in Green Bay uh, who I was really excited about with the Titans last year as the offensive coordinator. And then uh, that offense was a complete disaster. So I'm curious to see how Matt LaFleur fits in with the Packers, but... 
Yeah, I mean, the big takeaway here is that it's football season. We can already look at week one lines, and we're talking about it in March before the draft even starts, which is less than a month away. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it is football. It is officially football season <laughs> football in season. March. Yeah, already it is hitting us incredibly early this year. I, my, that actually hurts my brain to think about. I put in so much research before the football season starts that the fact that if this can't start early man come on man what are y'all doing to me here this is that you're going to ruin my brain and maybe all of my friendships and relationships and everything <laughs> else like I, I don't this is not fair I, why are you making me research a game in March and I'm, I'm like is this a good line do I need to take this line now I mean what the hell am I doing Brett it's pretty sick, isn't it? I know. I'm just, I because mean, we're, we're, we both thought about it already. I know. I know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a credible sicko here. Uh, guys, as always, really appreciate you guys listening here. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Love the five-star ones. The four-star ones are okay. And if you have something else, uh, just, 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 just pass. Just don't worry about it. You don't, you don't have to leave that three- or two-star one. Those, those, those are just have some conviction, right? I mean, five or one, I think, is kind of how we're looking to go here. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, at the lines us at playpicks us at brett colson if you want to follow brett at matt brown m2 if you want to follow me as always guys you can find every single article and all the stuff that we're talking about over at the lines.com at playpicks.com for brett i am matt see you guys next week